Yo, yo, yo. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah, and we got a great show for you, folks. We're talking NFL. We're talking college football. We're even talking World Series recap. You know, Houston Astros take it in six games. Also, we're talking basketball, NBA, and college. Let's get right into it, folks. We're going to hop right into the football, college football, like always. It's a great day. Let's get right into it. And we had huge matchups, and we also had some upsets. So let's get right into it with those huge matchups. First off, we obviously got to talk about the big game, the game that everyone was talking about, including myself. I'll say I was talking about it. I even picked Tennessee to win, who was the one in the college football playoffs for the first week. It only lasted for four days, folks. Georgia handles business at home, takes down the Vols. They win 27-13, and it shows Georgia is the true number one college football team right now in college football and it's it's okay to say that they are hands down the best team let's talk about it Stetson Bennett 17 of 25 256 yards two touchdowns beautiful performance by Bennett he didn't turn the ball over and he kept a clean game going Hendon Hooker for Tennessee 23 of 33 195 yards and one interception. So no touchdowns, and he couldn't really get it going with his legs. So he had to find another way. He used his arm just a little under 200 yards, but that one interception. Also, the big thing for Tennessee, they were 2 of 14 on third down. I told you guys, I said, hey, if Tennessee wants to win this game. They have to get it in the 30s, and they couldn't do it. Tennessee wanted, I mean, Georgia wanted to keep it under 30, and they did that. Georgia couldn't play the back-and-forth, high-flying offense. They were going to play the grit-and-grind game, and they did that. They kept the game under 30, and they won, just like I predicted. I said, Tennessee, the only way they're winning this is in a shootout, and they couldn't get the shootout to go. So Georgia wins in that high-flying CBS-SEC matchup. And guess what? They're now the number one team in college football. And Tennessee takes a step back. I won't say they're falling, but they took a step back, and now they're back to number five. They still have a great chance of getting into the college football playoffs, and it helps that the next game we're talking about, LSU versus Alabama, happened as well. So let's get into that one. Number 10, LSU handles business in Death Valley and takes care of number 5, Alabama, in overtime, folks. It was an overtime thriller. 32-31, LSU wins. And listen, man, it was a great game. LSU had it felt like they controlled the game throughout you could say Alabama at times had the tendencies to do what they do and try to pull away and it felt like Alabama never had that because Alabama never really had the lead if so Alabama ties it right before the end of regulation with the field goal so they go to overtime Alabama gets the ball first they score a touchdown and they kick the B, the PAT, not the BEAT, but they kick the PAT to go up by seven. Well, then LSU gets the ball and they score on their second play. So, you know, it was like, I feel like it was the right choice by um, to go for it right there. And so it was the right move and he does it. They get the two-point conversion. They call a timeout. They wanted to settle everything down. They go for two, and they get it. They ran the same exact play Clemson ran in 2019. Uh, no, no, no. 2018, I believe, where the tight end is set up like a fullback, and he runs an out route, straight flat out route, and you have the two wide receivers out there as pretty much blockers because it's man-to-man. Alabama loves their man-to-man. And they'll chip them, and it's going to leave the flat-out route open for the front-line pie line for the touchdown. And it worked perfectly. Gets it to the tight end. He gets in, and it's over. LSU wins 32-31. And they now are in in the driver's seat to get the West. So they now can 
follow and win their last two games and get to the SEC championship and still have a chance as a two-loss team to get into the college football playoffs. So that's where they're standing, and it helps that, you know, Clemson lost. And we'll get into that in a minute, but let's. I want to I give you a key stat here that's crazy to me. Listen to this, folks. In top 10 matchups this season, the road team is 0-7. So in top 10 matchups, the the road team hasn't won. They have never won this season on the road in a top 10 matchup. So that's how big it is. So you can talk about how Alabama has lost two games. But the thing is, Alabama's two losses come at Tennessee in Knoxville and now in Death Valley to LSU. So... Their two losses, yeah, it's uncharacteristic by this team, but you also got to remember, this isn't the Alabama of the past. It's not the superior team. It's more Georgia being the superior team now in the SEC. Sure, Alabama has Nick Saban and all that, but they're not that superior. They don't got the running game, and they don't have the defense. The interior defensive line is not there. They have the edge rushers, but the interior is not there. Okay, then you move on to top 15 matchups and they're one in 10 road teams are one in 10 and the only team to win on the road is Ohio State at Penn State so it just shows in big time matchups the road team is not doing good like it's not good I mean 0-7 in top 10 1 in a 10 excuse me in those top 15 matchups so it's like can we figure it out here like it's hard to win on the road in college football and it's impressively hard to win on the road in big time matchups so that's why it's so key to have those matchups at home okay now moving on to a game where everyone thought number four clemson was overranked, even me and it showed saturday Let's talk about it. Notre Dame beats down on Clemson 35 to 14. DJ Ulagagai. Oh, you, you gay. I've tried to pronounce this name. Anyway, DJ U, I'm going to call him the starting quarterback. I've, I've tried to pronounce his name. I even have it down on my notes. I just cannot say it. So we're going to call him DJ U, like they call Albert O in the NFL for the tight end. So DJU, the starting quarterback for Clemson, was benched for the second consecutive game, folks. He was 27 of 39, 191 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. He hasn't been playing good of late, folks. And Clemson somehow is still in the top 10, but they have not looked good all season. They've played with and down to their opponents, and it showed against Notre Dame. Because Notre Dame is not the old Notre Dame. And so it shows that Clemson's just not there. That's okay. It's going to happen. You're going to have one of those down years. So Clemson's not making the college football playoffs unless something drastically happens in front of them. And they're going to settle for a New Year's Six Bowl. And that's a six bowl. And that's okay. You can do that. You can have those. It's not the end of the world that you're not making the college football playoffs. Clemson's always been high ranked to get there. And I think it's okay not to get there every year. And as a fan of football, it's cool to see other teams in there as well. Okay. Also, the big thing, Clemson's defense allowed Notre Dame to run 263 yards on them. 263 rushing yards. Yikes. So that defense needs to get some help on Clemson for the run game. Shout out to Kansas. They come become bowl eligible with a 37-16 win over Oklahoma State. First time being bowl eligible since 2009. So props off to the Jayhawks. They also made the meme. They rushed the field because it was a home game. Took down the goalpost and took them away. They made and took a shot at Tennessee saying they don't need a GoFundMe to rebuild their goalpost. So Props off to you, Jayhawks, and getting bowl eligible. Also, my team. <laughs> I am a Missouri fan, if you didn't know. Missouri finds new ways to lose every week, it seems like. This week on How to Lose Missouri Football, we talk about an oversnap. Fourth down, Kentucky is punting the ball back to Missouri. And Missouri is going to get the ball with around two minutes, a little over two minutes. No timeouts. Okay, 
The ball is snapped 25 yards over the punter. The punter goes, then goes to pick it up, and as he's punting, gets tackled by our lineman, our linebacker, and he gets to punt off, and they call roughing the punter at the two-yard line. Folks, I don't think they got the rule right, and it says in the rule book that if he's inside the tackle box, it's a penalty. What I don't understand is when the ball is bobbled or touches the ground on a snap to a punter or for a field goal, the ball is live. Anybody can be tackled. So I want to know like how they can figure out what the Missouri player was supposed to do there. Like He still got to make a play there, and his only play really was to make the tackle because he thought the punter was going to run with it. Who who knew what the punter was going to do? For all we know, he could have fell on it. Instead, he picks it up unbelievably with a beautiful transition picking it up into punt it before he gets tackled and they call a roughing the punter Kentucky then runs the three plays punts it with less than 15 seconds and that's the game Mizzou loses 21 to 17 to Kentucky in another heartbreak game all right let's move on to games to watch this week coming up and I'm telling you it's getting good the end of the season is where it's at first on the list 2 30 p.m. Number nine, Alabama, a 12-point favorite, visits Ole Miss. And I, I think Alabama's going to win. Not just because it's going to be a bounce-back game for Alabama after a loss. But remember, it is tough to win on the road. But Nick Saban against Lane Kiffin, one of Nick Saban's undergrads. I just like Nick Saban to beat those besides Kirby. So give me Alabama to win. I don't think they cover the 12, though. Next up, this is the big game, folks. This, to me, is the game of the week. Negative. Number four, TCU. Got the recognition. They're number four. Heads to number 18, Texas. Oh, boy. Texas is a seven-point favorite. And I just talked about how it's hard to win on the road. And for some reason, I'm feeling frisky. I was right last week about my pick about Liberty beating Arkansas. And for some reason, that pixie dust is feeling good. And give me TCU to go on the road and win this matchup. I think TCU is destined to get into the college football playoffs. Give me the Horn Frogs to win. Yeah, I said it. I got that. Mixy, I got that Dixie dust, and I want to use it on TCU. That's my upset. Give me TCU over Texas. Give me that seven-point favorite out of here. Up next, number 25, Washington versus number six, Oregon. Oregon is a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, folks, and I like Oregon a lot. Bo Nix is playing phenomenal, and I'm still questioning why they scheduled Georgia at the beginning of the year, but that's on them. But give me Oregon to win. I think they win by 17. Give me that. And then I had this down, and I think I'm going to go away from it. My first upset was Arkansas. You know, I took Arkansas to lose the Liberty. I almost took Arkansas plus three to beat Number seven, LSU. It just feels like, it just feels like, for some reason, LSU is destined for this letdown game against Arkansas. Arkansas bouncing back from a Liberty loss. It's not a bad loss. It's just a really weird loss because Liberty's playing very good football. You just don't see that from an SEC team. And then obviously LSU's riding high, headed to Arkansas after that big win. So it could be a letdown game, but I'm going to stay away from it. And I'm taking TCU to beat the seven-point favorite Texas Longhorns. All right, folks, when we come back, we're talking World Series. That's right here on Just Talking Sports. You're listening to it on UCM The Beat. People been saying to your friend, get a different face. And posting on their feed, they're super ugly. The things they say to them online are cruel and they're not true. So tell your friend. 
Know someone who's being bullied online? Send the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more about the witness emoji at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, so five tacos of cheese and a large soda. That's $10,012. Please drive around. 10000 what? It's obvious you're buzzed and driving. I've only had a few. I'm fine. Yeah, the food's 12 bucks, but getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Please drive around. Actually, just park and come in. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Yo, 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 welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm still JT Noah. And before we get into recapping the World Series, I got two things for you. First is the trivia question. I know, I forgot to give it to you before the college football rant, but I was so into it. All right, the question is, when, how many times has Alabama missed the college football playoffs? So, how many times has Mr. Alabama and Nick Saban not been ranked in the top four at the end of the year. Listen, me and my brother were talking about it. So that's why I came up with the question. So shout out to you, Charles. All right. My next thing, if you wait till the end, I've got some Q&A with my listeners. Some of my friends, listeners, they gave me some questions and they want me to answer them on the air. So stick around for that. All right. Now let's get into this World Series. As you know, or if you don't know, the Astros won the World Series in six games. Now, if you listened to last week, I was I was in shambles, folks. I was everywhere. I'll be honest. My brain was, ooh, it was going everywhere. So, I said for some reason they couldn't win in six games. And I don't know why I said that. But if you go back two episodes, I did say they would, would win in six games. So, let's scratch out last week. Because, you know, JT was just in shambles. But the week before that, I did say in six games. So I want to I want to give myself credit. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm self-absorbed sometimes. <laughs> All right, listen, Dusty Baker. I'm so happy for him, man. He gets his first ring in 25 years of managing. So props off to you, Dusty. Happy for you, man. I'm also happy for Houston. I feel like this gives them a little more, like, shoulder love because. Now they've won it without so-called cheating scandals going on. And I think that's going to be nice for them. So congrats to Houston. They won three straight games to win this. They were down 2-1 to Philly. And then they rattled off three straight wins to win the series and the World Series. So that's awesome. But the big thing, man, Houston's bullpen. Guys, this is insane. Houston's bullpen. Bullpen. Nice. Bullpen. I love it. Bullpen. <laughs> bullpen. Their ERA, folks, was a 0.83. That is phenomenal. That is through the World Series. That is beautiful, folks. That was through the whole postseason. That is beautiful. They only gave up five earned runs over 54 and a third innings. Wow. Yeah, so what it means by five earned is when they came in, there's people on base. Those are not theirs. They're talking about the batters they faced. So when they come in during the middle of an inning for a starting pitcher and there's, say, three runners on, so the bases are loaded, they're not accounted for those runners on base. That goes to the starting pitcher. The person at the plate is theirs. So that's what it talks about there. Also, their batting average they gave up, the bullpens, was an astonishing 215. 215, folks. I mean, this bullpen is one of the best historically to go through the postseason, folks. That's how good it was. It's the first bullpen to throw 40 innings with a sub-1 ERA. Sub-1 in 40 innings. So, yeah, it's historically great what this bullpen for Houston did. Now, who won the MVP, you might ask? Alex Bregman? Jose Altuve? No, no, no. It went to none other than the rookie, Jeremy Pena. Good work, Jeremy. 
Listen, he takes over for Carlos Correa, and Bay don't miss a beat at shortstop. He batted 400, 10 hits, 2 doubles, a home run, and 3 RBIs. Not to mention, beautiful defense by him as well. So, a great game all around. Great series for Houston. And also, give props to Philly. Like, man, no one saw them getting all the way to the World Series, and they did something awesome. Sadly, it did come to an end without a ring, but they showed Philly proud, and they played well throughout the postseason. Bryce Harper came long ways. He played phenomenal. The DH, I think, was the biggest help for the Phillies because it let Bryce Harper DH, and it didn't wear him out throughout the season, and he looked really strong in the postseason. He had Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, so they played well, and they just hit they just hit Houston, folks. Houston, like I said, felt destined for it, and they won, and now they have that ring, and like I said, I think it gets the chip off them shoulders because of what happened in 2017 when that was their very first World Series win ever. That was their very first. Now they have two. And so now you don't have that little problem. So props off to you, Houston, for winning the World Series in six games. Okay, when we come back, folks, listen to this. We're shooting hoops and we're going to the NBA in college basketball. We're talking Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers. And then in college basketball, we're talking my final four prediction. Way too early final four prediction. That's right here on Just Talking Sports. You're listening to it on UCM The Beat. Hey y'all, I'm Blake Shelton. I love that country music connects people all over this great nation, but unfortunately so does something else, childhood hunger. 15 million children struggle with hunger in America. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks works to rescue our surplus food to help provide billions of meals to families in need across the country. Join the fight against hunger at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I'm a retired school psychologist, and helping people was my thing. After my stroke, when Meals on Wheels started, I was on the other end of the stick, so to speak. My name is Julius Gaines, creative writer, poet, photographer. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Yo, 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 welcome back. Welcome to Just Talking Sports. JT Noah still here, still in the building, still behind the mic. Let's get it. Woo, 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 woo. Awesome. Let's get into the NBA, folks. The NBA has started, obviously. We talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. But right now, there's two teams I want to talk about that are not playing well, whether that be on the court, and there could be problems off the court. But let's start with the L.A. Lakers, LeBron James, A.D., Anthony Davis, you get the gist. They're 2-9, and nine, folks. They're 2-9. and nine. They have not looked good at all. And let's talk about it. They started 0-5 to start the season. Not good at all. What, what was happening, and it's just, it was not good. Now, last night, they lost again, so they're now 2-9. But before last night, in their last three games, they were averaging of a loss of 17 points. That's not good, folks. Their defense is not playing well. It started with their shooting, and now it's going to their defense. They cannot shoot the three ball. Like, they're not going to shoot the three consistently. Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, they're not good shooters behind the arc. And so they've got to find a way to have their defense incorporate into their offense get the fast break moving and get the lead so their defense can play well you've got to find something inside there to make it work because right now you can't play the slow offense where you're passing the ball trying to get it inside to Anthony Davis or LeBron James and then pass it out to hit the three because you have no one to hit the three so you've got to find a way to incorporate moving the defense into the offense fast break points are crucial 
for this Lakers team. And the other thing right now is the injuries are mounting up. It, it, you knew it was going to happen. Listen, Anthony Davis, I hate to go on this man, but he always finds a way to get injured, and it just is not good. So when he's injured, then you have to bring other players in that are not him. Like, I get it. Anthony Davis is a great, he's a great basketball player, but with his injuries, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. And now LeBron James left the game early last night, so you don't know what's going to happen with him. So the injuries are mounting up. You got to find a way to get Russell Westbrook in the mix. And I'll be honest, I'm surprised he's still on this team. I thought he was going to get traded, and he hasn't, so he's got to work with it and I think the bench is a great move to bring him off because he can be the leader for the bench squad he wasn't going to be the leader like he used to be when he comes with the starters because that's LeBron James's job so he's got to be the leader coming off the bench and I think he's going to use it and he'll adapt to it as the season goes on if he's with this team further on down the season now the other team the other team we want to talk about is the Brooklyn Nets the Brooklyn Nets folks Let's talk about it. Like, mm, man, so they're five and seven. So that's not the problem. Like five and seven is it's, it's okay, but they're having problems more off the court than on the court. You have Kevin Durant. He's playing phenomenal. The problem comes with Kyrie Irving and with the firing. So we'll get into it right now. So they fire Steve Nash, which I... I believe was mutual, so I don't want to use the quote-unquote firing. Let's say they terminated his contract, they released the coach. I don't know what, what you want to say, but it was. I feel like it was more mutual than a fire just because I think Steve Nash was done. He was tired of all the antics coming with Kyrie and off the court. He just couldn't do it. So he, he was probably like, hey, I want out of this. You can keep your money, but let me go, man. I, I, I'm tired of this. Let's go. I want out of here. So as much as I want to say, oh, they fired Steve Nash because it was the escape way. I also believe Steve Nash wanted out as well. So the, the Nets, after losing Steve Nash, getting rid of Steve Nash, they wanted Ima Aduka, so the Celtics head coach who suspended for what he did in the offseason. And so they're talking to Aduka and they're going to get him, right? No. So you're like, well, why didn't they get him? Is it because the Celtics said no? No, it's not that actually. It's because Kyrie Irving. Well, well what's happened with Kyrie, JT? Well, Kyrie, oh boy. So listen, Kyrie is his, his, own, his own little world, dude. Uh, Kyrie is a great basketball player, got ball handle skills and all that. But what happens is, I don't know. Like, I don't want to compare him to Antonio Brown of the NFL, but he's got like these antics that just will probably end his career early. Like, let's talk about it. The flat earth problem wasn't the big deal. Like, that's not the big big deal, biggest deal or like even huge deal. It was... It started what's happening because now he's into all this. Like he starts with the the, the stuff off the field. He was retweeting anti-Jewish stuff. And so it's building up to where he's now becoming a problem more off the court. And you can't use him on the court. They've suspended him five games and people think it's going to be longer so it's just like that. And so that's why Aduke didn't want the job because of what's happening. He didn't want to go into the fire of all this what's happening with the Nets and become the head coach when he doesn't even know who he's going to get on the roster because of what Kyrie's doing. Now, the thing is, is they've now hired their what was their interim head coach for the time because they wanted Aduke. Now it's Jock Vaughn. Jock Vaughn, if you didn't know, actually played at Kansas basketball. So congratulates for him to getting the head coach job. So that's great. So I think it's a, a smart hire here. He's been with the organization. He was the assistant. He's done the earned term. And I think he's going to be a really good coach for this team because I feel like they're going to 
build around him. There's no new to this. I feel like he's going to take what Steve Nash had, and they're just going to use it and incorporate it. So I don't think there's that big of a deal with him becoming the head coach during the season, not just because he was the interim while they were trying to get a Duque, but because I feel like he's going to incorporate the team, and he's going to use it, and I think he's going to try to build walls to break out the big outside talks which is going to be helpful another thing that's going to be helpful is what kevin durant's doing kd man who kd is averaging 31 points per game he's shooting 51.8 percent and the next closest man with points is nick claxton with 12.2 now i will say i did not update this uh before this morning because it was hard uh, to get the updated stats, but this was before last night's game. Kevin Durant was averaging 31 points per game, and he was shooting 51.8%. It's incredible what Kevin Durant's doing. He's literally carrying the Nets, and he carried them to a victory last night. So props off to Kevin Durant for keeping this team. I think he's the one keeping this team afloat. Unlike what the Lakers are having. Because now Brooklyn's 5-7. and seven. And so you're thinking you're only two games back from se- uh, 500. So you're going to be great. So that's where I think it is. I feel like Brooklyn is in a better situation than the Lakers. Just because as much as they have problems off the court. Their problem on the court is not that huge. They just got to block out all the outside talk. Now, let's move on to some college football. Excuse me. College basketball, should I say. Hey, college basketball. Hey, March Madness, you know the drill. College basketball started Monday, guys. What what a phenomenal treat it was. Like, insane. You want to hear a crazy thing? So, most of the first four-ish games are buying games. So, you're asking yourself probably... Uh, JT, uh, what is a buy-in game? Well, I'll tell you, folks. A buy-in game is where a college... Let's go with the example UCLA. I love it. UCLA pays a team to come play them. Oh, what team did they pay? Oh, they paid... They paid Florida Gulf Coast to come play them. Okay, cool. Now, obviously, Florida Gulf Coast isn't one of those smaller schools, but they still paid Florida Gulf Coast to come play them. And guess what? Florida Gulf Coast took the money and the dub and walked away. Yeah. So, Monday night, 10 buy-in games, buy-in teams, I should say, won. So, the team that was being paid to play won. Uh, Let's go, for example, uh, Let's do Kean. Uh, I shouldn't say Kean. Kean Scroggins went to Ray Peck. Uh, love the man. He's a great guy. Went to Sam Houston University down there. They went and played Oklahoma. Oklahoma pays them to come play them. Guess what? Kean and Sam Houston go up, and guess what? They win. Hey, proud of that. That's awesome. I get to talk about a Ray Peck alum, a friend of mine, and his team because they went on the road to Oklahoma and one in Norman. So props off to you guys. Happy for you. So with that out of the way, let's talk about my final four. And man, okay, I'll tell you. One thing you can never do is predict a perfect bracket in March Madness. And number two, have any idea what college basketball is going to have in store for you. And if it has anything like the college football has, we're in for a treat folks. All right, let's get into it. My final four prediction. My first, I think this is a no-brainer. Maybe it isn't. My first team, North Carolina Tar Heels. I like North Carolina to get back. They bring a lot of their pieces back to them. I think they lose two players. They're bringing them all back. Same squad. They're, They're destined to get back there. I like North Carolina. My number two team, I'm going off of a limb. I'm going to say it, and y'all might think I'm crazy. I've got Kentucky. And you're probably thinking, why are you taking Kentucky? Okay, well, let's talk about it. The year Virginia lost to UMBC, the first time a 16 beat a 1. That following year, Virginia then went on to win the national championship. Okay, so 
I believe Kentucky is going to have a little more chip on their shoulder. They want to make sure people forget about what happened last year to them, to St. Peter's. And I think they're going to go and get to the Final Four. My number three, Creighton. I know, Creighton, right? Yeah, we're going Creighton. I like Creighton. They bring in a lot of transfers, bring back a couple players they had. Listen, they had a good roster last year. They just got some injury bug going into March Madness, and they couldn't get over it. I like Creighton a lot, and I think they're going to make it to the Final Four. And my last team, the surprise team, I think, for everyone, I've got one team that I think, for some reason, I always think they're going to do good, but they never do. But this year feels different. Give me Michigan. I know. I'm going Michigan. I think Howard and the crew are going to get something going, and they're going to find a way to get to the Final Four. Listen, Michigan is usually a good basketball school. They're usually a good football school. They're a great sports school. And I think this year could be the year they get to the Final Four. I like the squad. They've got some good freshmen, and they bring back some other players for that team last year, and I think they can make a run, get to the Final Four. So my Final Four, way too early prediction, is North Carolina, Kentucky, Creighton, and Michigan. Now, I'm not saying these are the four one seeds. I'm saying these four teams somehow, some way, will get to the Final Four. All right, folks, when we come back, we're on to the final segment. We're going to the NFL. And when we're done with the NFL, I'm taking Q&A. That's right here on Just Talking Sports. You're listening to it on UCM The Beat. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or... Create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah. And like I said, we're throwing touchdowns headed to the NFL. Let's recap that wild week that just happened, folks. Let's start with the Lions game against the Packers. The Lions won 15-9, forcing Rodgers to throw two interceptions in the end zone. Now listen, the Lions defense was the worst coming into that game, and they were historically on pace to be historically bad. So, for the Packers, they only put up nine points. That's pretty bad, folks. And it's just not getting good for those cheeseheads up in Wisconsin. So, I'm sorry for you, Green Bay Packer fans. Next up, you have the Vikings. Hey, Vikings, I told you. I told you they were going to be good. Vikings beat the Commanders 20-17. to Vikings scored 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to win. And listen, Kirk Cousins riding the plane back home was chained out, iced out, no shirt on. A little scary, but that's okay. Hide your children if you're going to show that video. Close those eyes, kids. But listen, Kirk Cousins is playing phenomenal football this season. Best of his career. The Vikings are looking really good. And they're taking control of the NFC North. The Raiders, on the other hand... 
blow another 17-point lead, this time to the Jaguars. The Jaguars win 27-20 after being down by 17. The Raiders started hot. Listen, they started really good, and the Jags just finished stronger. And it just shows where I think the Raiders lack. The Jaguars are more balanced of a team. Listen to this. The Jaguars threw for 235 yards and ran for 168. They were compatible and they were balanced with their team. Trevor Lawrence did his thing. And it just felt like the Raiders got too soft, I should say, or too com complete, component, where they were just okay with what was happening when they were up by 17. They got to keep their foot on the gas, folks, and they just haven't found that. It's going to be a very interesting game this weekend for the Raiders, and I'll get into that in a minute. But the Raiders got to find something. They get leads, but they can't keep it. It's their third 17-point lead given up. So just think about that. The Raiders could be something if they could keep leads. Next up, you have the Jets, the New York Jets. That football team up in New York beat the Buffalo Bills 20-17. to Listen, the Jets' defense is great. They're confused of Josh Allen was beautiful. Sauce Gardner, that defensive line. They have what it takes. And like I said, there's about two teams I think that defensively can play with the Buffalo Bills, the 49ers, and the Jets. And that's what happened. The 49ers and Jets, when fully healthy, I believe have two of the two best defenses that can play with Buffalo and Kansas City. The problem is... is Will the Jets get to that point? Listen, when you have someone like Zach Wilson at quarterback, you just want him to play a perfect, sound, no turnover football. He had one turnover, and that was it. No interceptions. He was throwing the ball away instead of forcing it into double coverage. He threw it away and lived for another down, and that's what helped the Jets win. Also, I think Sauce Gardner has to be in contention for the best corner in football right now. Pure corner. I don't even want to talk about Rookie of the Year because he's won defense of the Rookie of the Year and my books are ready. So, I think he's now up there for the best pure corner in the NFL. Him and Patrick Sertan for Denver are right there, neck and neck in my books. Also, can we talk about the Bills run game? They were very shaky, and I know it's only two games where it's looked bad, but they've got to figure it out because if they want to play like they should, they have to have the football on offense. And now if teams can see they can run it, they're going to play keep away from Josh Allen like some teams did try to at least against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs a couple years ago. And another big thing, Josh Allen, his elbow they've got to get that looked at figured out because he is the key he's the engine to the car to run so if he's hurt their season is on a downhill next up you have the seahawks they keep winning man they beat the cardinals 31 21 four straight win for seahawks gino has to start being in conversation for mvp he's playing phenomenal top five quarterback in the league right now in this season not like all time or like after the year I'm talking in the season in this moment he's a top five quarterback right now and Kenneth Walker man rookie of the year offensive rookie of the year gotta go to Kenneth Walker that running back out of Michigan State has been phenomenal for Seattle up next you have the Bucks hey the Buccaneers they beat the Rams at home 16 to 13 Brady has another game-winning drive in the last minute, 44 seconds to be exact. The Rams' defense was way too soft. I think that's what we got to talk about. The Rams' defense on that last drive was way too soft. They got way too soft, was giving them way too much cushion, and Brady was giving it, taking what they were given, and they weren't even playing the sidelines. So there you go. Rams played very soft on the last two drives, and it bit them. Also, Brady threw the ball 58 times. Woo, that is a lot. All right, Sunday night, you had the Chiefs versus Tynes. And I don't know what it is about the Tynes. They always play the Chiefs close and tight. And there was nothing but that on Sunday night. Wow. Okay, 
The Chiefs win in overtime, 20-17. Mahomes threw the ball 68 times, three shy of breaking the record for the most pass attempts. The Titans defensive line, man, they don't get enough credit. That is a very good defensive line. They played phenomenal. They did what they had to until the last two drives. The Chiefs defense, though, as much as we want to talk about the offense and Patrick Mahomes and those two drives that got them the tie and gave them the win, let's talk about that defense, folks. That defense made great adjustments at halftime. The Titans ran, listen to this, ran 27 plays on offense for a total of seven yards in the second half and in overtime. That's what you do. You make adjustments and you make the offense change their game. Now, I'm not going to say it was all because of the Chiefs' defense. There was a little bit to do with the play calling of Tennessee in the second half, but just for now, the defense played phenomenal, kept the game close, and it gave the opportunity for the Chiefs to get the tie on their last drive. Other big news in the NFL world, the Colts decide to fire Frank Wright, and if you thought that was the craziest story for the Colts, no. The interim is the newest and most craziest story as Jeff Saturday. Yeah, you heard that. Jeff Saturday is the new interim head coach. Hasn't coached an NFL or college football in any level besides high school. So, yeah, um, this will be interesting. Gets an eight-game like test, I guess, to see if he can pass. It'll be interesting. He has been in the ring of honor, so we'll see what Jeff Saturday can do. But what a weird hire. All right, let's get into the power rankings. A little bit of shakeup, but we'll see. Number 10, Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals are at number 10. They weren't ranked last week. They're 5-4. and four. Burrow, Joe Burrow, is completing 70% of his throws. Burrow leads the league with 20 touchdowns since week one. But let's not overreact to the big win over the Carolina Panthers, folks. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. I still think they're a little shaky, but they did show life with the run game. Joe Mixon, five touchdowns. But let's not overreact to that one win. Number nine, the Seattle Seahawks. They were number nine last week. I couldn't find a way to move them up, but they're six and three, four-game winning streak, and they've won each game by 10 points. And they've had 43 scoring drives this season. So they're scoring points on their drives, folks. Number eight, the Baltimore Ravens. They actually fall one. They're five and three. They've won three straight games. The second best in turnover margin. And they have a top five offense. I'm just worried a little bit about if they get behind, can they come back and win? That's what I'm worried about with them. Number seven is the Miami Dolphins. They fall back one as well. They're six and three. They are great on third down. They're a playoff team, obviously. But, 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 that defense is worrisome. I know, I know what just happened. I didn't, I didn't just let that go, Dolphins defense. You did and let up what you did to Justin Fields, letting him break Michael Vick's record for single game rushing yards by a quarterback. I'm not going to let that slip, my guys. Not going to let that slip. Also, number six, the Dallas Cowboys. They moved back one. They were on a bye. So, hey, hey, listen. I know. A little weird. You're like, what's happening? I know. Dallas falls back to six. They were five. They're six and two. Coming off a bye, they play Green Bay. They've got the best sack differential, folks. They are getting to the quarterback, and they're not letting the defense of the other team get to theirs. They have seven giveaways all season. Seven. Wow. That offense is not giving gifts to the other defense. They're not giving up the ball and letting them have short drives or freebies. So that's good news for that offense for Dallas. And here it is. Number five. My team that I think I've been riding high on all season, San Francisco 49ers. They were ranked 8th last week, and even though they didn't play, they moved up 3 spots, folks. Yeah, I know. I make the rankings. Come at me. I dare you. Yeah. They're 4-4. Four and four, Fewest 3 and outs in NFL right now. But they are getting healthy. That's why I moved them up. They're getting healthy, folks. They're getting their roster back. And when they're fully healthy, like I've said 
all season long. They're the best team in the NFC. When they're fully healthy, they're the best team in the NFC. That's why they're up to number five because they're getting healthy. Number four, the Buffalo Bills, folks. Buffalo falls from number two because they lost to the Jets. And not just that, they're too heavy on Josh Allen. Second week saying that. Listen to this. Josh Allen has eight interceptions. He also has 13 other turnover-worthy plays. That is only second to Matt Ryan. And if you didn't know, Matt Ryan has been benched, folks. So, yeah. But, 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 they are number one in total offense. So, there's that. The other problem is we don't know how healthy Josh Allen is. And when Josh Allen isn't fully healthy, that's a problem for Buffalo. Number three, Minnesota Vikings. They move up from number four. They're seven and one, six game winning streak. And the other thing, they're four and a half games up on their division. They're going to win their division and they're healthy, which means if they're so far up, they can sit their players come December and they're going to have a fully healthy squad going into the playoffs, which is huge. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, yeah, it was, it was a very shaky game, but Tennessee always plays them tight. Listen, the young guys in the secondary can be worrisome just because they're young. But listen, they also start slow, which is very, very odd, but they always come back. They're 4-0 win down by 8 this season. So as much as I hate the slow starts, they come back and win. I like them to win big this week against the Jacksonville. Actually, I don't like them winning big. I like them to win. I like them to get off to a fast start. But I think it's going to be a tight game. And number one, Philadelphia, guys. They're number one. 8-0. They win the turnover battle every week. And I'll say this. It helps when they have a weak schedule. But that's okay. They don't determine their schedule. So, that's how it goes. 10 Bengals, 9 Seahawks, 8 Ravens, 7 Dolphins, 6 Cowboys, 5 49ers, 4 Bills, 3 Vikings, 2 Chiefs, and 1 Eagles. The only undefeated team. All right, games to watch. 12 p.m., the Vikings versus Bills. I think it's going to be a great game. I really think the Vikings could win this. The Bills are four-point favorite. I'm leaning still towards the Bills. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings win. Another game that I'm intrigued to watch is the Broncos versus Tynes. It's a two and a half point favor for the Tynes. I like the Tynes to win, but that defense for the Broncos is super good and they're coming off a bye. So I think the Broncos have a chance, especially if Tannehill isn't playing. The 3 p.m., the Colts versus Raiders. Listen, this is going to be a great, funny game to watch. You got Jeff Saturday, who a couple weeks ago was tweeting how bad the Raiders are. Now he's coaching as the interim head coach against the Raiders. Going to be a great story, whatever happens in this. The Raiders cannot lose this game. And then my upset of the week, I have the Seahawks, who are a three-point underdog, headed to Germany to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Give me the Seahawks, folks. Give me the Seahawks to win. I love the Seahawks, and I think Vegas is not willing to say that the Seahawks are good, but they are. Give me the Seahawks to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Okay, let's get into some Q&A from my listeners and fans. Let's start with Edwin from Facebook. What did you think about the show Mahomes put on last weekend? Man, let's be real. Mahomes did spectacular things on the last two drives. He threw the ball, like I said, 68 times. But as much as I want to give him praise, there were still some throws he missed. The wide open one to Travis Kelsey down the sideline. He overthrew him there. So it's just like, yeah, as much as I want to give praise to Patrick Mahomes, we also got to understand that defense put on a show too. So, yes, I love Patrick Mahomes in his show. That third and 17 run for 20 was beautiful. Those next two runs, the one for the touchdown and the one for the two-point conversion were phenomenal. The throw to Noah Gray in overtime, beautiful. Nice catch by Gray. So, yes, I love the show Mahomes put on, but let's not forget there were still some plays he could have made. And that defense kept us in the game. Next up, Tim. He's a big Broncos fan, and you'll find it out right here. Do the Broncos have a chance at beating the Chiefs with the great defense that the Denver Broncos have? Listen, yes, 
I will say, it's any given Sunday you can win. I do think the Broncos' defense is great. One of the top four defenses in the NFL. And I think the Broncos' offense is going to hit another gear after the bye week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That's why I'm shaky of the Titans this week if they don't have Ryan Tannehill. But I do like the chance for the Chiefs to beat the Broncos both in Denver and in Arrowhead. I wouldn't have said that at the beginning of the year just because I think it's just like this. The running game for Denver has been shaky. You don't know who's going to be there. Is it going to be Gordon? You know what I mean. You don't have Williams anymore, so that's a huge loss. I had him in fantasy, so it's a huge loss for me too. So, yes, the Broncos have a chance. I think it's going to be a close game in Denver, and I think it could be a 10-point win for the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's just going to be, will the offense show up for the Broncos? Great questions right there, guys. Next up, I have Joey. He says, what's your opinion on his boy? He's a Chicago Bears fan. What is your opinion on my boy, Justin Fields? Well, Joey, I'll say this. Justin Fields, he is playing well the last couple weeks. And I think the thing with the Bears was is they were trying to find out, is he the quarterback for the future? In the last couple weeks, he has shown that, yes, he's the quarterback for the future. I like how they went and got Claypool for him. So now he has a couple wide receivers to throw it to. Cole Komet has been playing well at tight end. So I think they're finding out that Justin Fields is the quarterback for the future, and I like how they're utilizing his legs more and more as the season has gone on. Next up, Natalie, what is your thoughts about the coaching situation in Indianapolis? Well, I, I hit on it a little bit just a bit ago, but it's crazy that they're giving it to Jeff Saturday, who has no coaching experience above high school level. And I get he's a TV analyst for ESPN, but it's 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 it's, it's like an eight-game test. What will he do? And like he said, if it doesn't go well, coaching's not my job. I'll go back to ESPN. I'll go back to the TV. But why not take a shot? It's not his fault they offered it to him. I would have took it if someone offered me it. So don't go after Jeff Saturday. Go after Jim Ursay for taking the chance on Saturday. Now, obviously, there's the problem with the Rodney rule, uh, uh, Rodney rule because of the black coaching sphere. But it doesn't happen to happen with the interim. So that's weird. I think they need to go adjust that. But yeah, it's a chaotic place in Indianapolis right now. My good friend, one of my brothers from another mother, Will, he's asking me about Will, uh, he's asking me about Mizzou's offense, and then he also asked what my thoughts are about Mizzou's upcoming basketball season. Let's start with the first question, the Mizzou football offense. Listen, uh, if we've learned anything, Brady Cook is not the quarterback for Mizzou. As much as he's the St. Louis native and all that hometown person, you got to give Sam Horn, the freshman, a chance sooner than later to show what he can do. That's the reason you got him. That's why he signed. I think they need to give Horn a chance. Offensively, when you have the weapons and playmakers Mizzou does, Luther Burden, Lovely, I just feel like you have to give it to their playmakers more, and they haven't done that this season. That's why their offense has been in shambles, while their defense has looked phenomenal. Now, on the basketball side, there's a lot of hype for Mizzou basketball. New coach, a lot of new players. There's only two players from last season on this season's squad, the Brown brothers. So, I think it's going to be great. I think Mizzou, their ceiling is top six, or top seven, I should say, in the SEC. And obviously, their low could be the bottom. But I think they're going to finish right in between like seven, maybe six. But they're going to finish right between six, seven, and nine through the SEC. But I think it's going to be a fun season for SEC basketball and especially for Mizzou fans. Next one, Chris. My never too early Super Bowl predictions. I said Eagles versus Chiefs before the season. I would stick to it right now. Even though the Eagles haven't played anyone, that's very scary to me. But I will stick with the Eagles versus Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have looked shaky, but it cannot be. 
Also, let's try what? Okay, we have another one from Haley, which uh, I'll let my fans know. Haley is uh, my girlfriend, so shout out to that. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. But she says the most who is the most underrated player on the Chiefs and in the NFL. For the Chiefs, I'm gonna go with Lajarius Sneed, one of the most prolific and beautiful open field tacklers at the corner position. And in the NFL, I think the most underrated player. Ooh, man, that's a good one. Most underrated player in the NFL. I'm gonna go with uh, let's go with Cordero Patterson for the Atlanta Falcons. I think he's underrated quite a bit. He's played phenomenal for Atlanta the last couple of years. So I like Cordell Patterson as an underrated player in the NFL. There's a lot of them, guys. So that's one of them, and I think that's a great one. And the last question comes from none other than Jacob Elliott. Question for you. Uh, he gave me two, but I'm going to take one. What do you think the second half of the season looks like for the Bills with potentially Case Keenum starting? Listen, Jacob, if Case Keenum is playing, they're not going to make the one seed. If Josh Allen plays, and I still think it could be a problem with them getting the one seed injured, I think it's a problem. So, I do believe if Case Keenum plays, you're a wild card team. The Bills are a wild card wild card team at best dolphins take the division with josh allen playing even with an injury i think the bills win the division but they're gonna fall to about the three seed so that's huge because like i've said josh allen is the motor for the car so that's why i think it's crucial for josh allen to be playing for this team Alrighty, folks, that's all the time we have, guys. It's been a great show. I liked it. It was good energy. Got to interact with some fans, and I'm happy to do that. Next week's going to be huge. Pac-12 has two key matchups. You got Oregon versus Utah and UCLA versus USC. So the Pac-12 has it going on. And then we're going to look to see how the Vikings handled themselves against the Buffalo Bills. All right, guys. That will be right here on UCM The Beat with Just Talking Sports. I'm your host, JT Noah. Join me every Thursday from 12 to 1. You don't want to miss it, folks. 12 to 1 every Thursday right here on UCM The Beat, Just Talking Sports. Come join me, all right? See you guys. Have a great one.